All right. Oh, my Lord. We have got all the way to season seven of Clone Wars. Can you believe it? It, it, it does seem incredible. And how far we've come. Truly. Truly. But, uh, you know, this one, this one, it's a little, it's a weird, I feel like it's a weird season. Because to me, it felt like a setup, not a setup, but a preparation for other shows to come. Especially with the Bad Batch, you mean? The Bad Batch, but also the whole Bo-Katan, Ahsoka thing. I see. A lot of things are set up here that, you know, get paid off later on. So, yeah, it's it's really, it's a really interesting thing. Um, but I'm also very excited for the next and last four episodes that we're going to watch next time. Well, one of the things that we have to understand is the context of season seven within yeah. not only Star Wars, but Disney at large. Like, this is the show that launched, it was the only original television show that launched with Disney Plus, essentially. And it was geared towards A, getting more people to subscribe and B, highlighting the future of Disney Plus and getting people in and more excited about other things. So specifically with the Bad Batch note that you were mentioning, it was an obvious nod to something that was going to be created later on. And at the time, it wasn't, hadn't been announced that Bad Batch was going to be created. But with the success of it, and I'm sure in the back room, they had talks with Dave Filoni about creating Bad Batch. And a year later, here we are with Bad Batch running on Disney Plus as well. So it's this is essentially this season of Clone Wars marks really the beginning of this new era of Star Wars content. We attribute it a lot to The Mandalorian because it is the first live action television show. But it really begins with the seventh season of Clone Wars in the vision of creating a Star Wars universe based in television shows that are solely streaming on Disney+. Plus, So I think that's an important place within the context of, it goes way beyond Star Wars, it goes Disney's corporate planning as a whole. So I think it's really interesting to think about, especially because there's a six-year gap between what we last saw in season six of Clone Wars and right now with the season, the seventh season. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show how how much in advance things are planned you know with like all these different types of shows um that were obviously <clears throat> planned to be made but yeah so i think your your point is well taken um and it's good to see that i don't know i see it as a positive thing because it just means more star wars content yeah yeah and i mean low-key i'm just really happy that ahsoka's back yeah of course it's fucking finally can you imagine like that being the conclusion and not having like for six years any other content related to Osoka? Yeah, I mean, you know, after the first four episodes, I was really beginning to wonder, uh, <laughs> but then luckily, uh, very quickly, when I started the fifth episode, I was like, okay, good, we're in uh, good territory here. Yeah, it's two very interesting arcs, I think, and it's. All, all the more because there's barely any Jedi involved. I mean, there's Anakin. Yeah, but he he basically just like the only thing he does is basically he's reflecting blast with his lightsaber. There's not much he does. Yeah, it's focused on the clones, which is nice. You want it to be focused on the clones. It is the Clone Wars, exactly. Right? Yeah, and an interesting batch of clones. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, it was a both uh, frustrating and relieving to see that even in in 2019 or whenever that was made, um, you know, bad writing still exists. You know, it's not, of course, it's not like this is. It is much better, and I feel like I say that all the time. But like, obviously, the animation, you know, there is six years in between, and you can yeah. definitely tell. Yeah, it's insane the difference in the animation. Yeah, it is so good. Like just from the very first beginning, that tracking shot is just gorgeous. And um, yeah, but but yeah, it's it's just so much is happening. Um, I, f- I found the first arc to be a little bit more interesting than the second one, to be honest, I f- because that one didn't feel as clearly as like it's like a setup. I, I wonder I mean, because I I had noted down a a, a something uh, whilst watching episode seven where I wrote that you know okay is there going to be like more Bo-Katan and Ahsoka in Rebels because like there's nothing here I mean they are in the same place but uh, nothing comes of it but obviously they've had like some history together that they mentioned in the Mandalorian but yeah I quickly could scratch that at the end then also I like the Anakin wardrobe change. Both of the wardrobe changes, I think, are good, uh, but particularly, you know, Anakin moves over from his into his episode three uh, uniform. Absolutely, you can definitely tell. Like his hair, his hairstyle as well is very episode three already. And I think that also gives you a sense of the timing of these uh, these episodes in the because it is an anthology series. You're not really sure, but this is clearly near the end of the war. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. Now now I'm even more interested in the bad batch because uh I really wonder who's gonna if it's just gonna be the five of them or if they pick up some other people. I really like the addition of Echo. I mean and that's a little getting ahead of ourselves, but I like the addition of Echo to their regular group. Yeah. I don't know like there are definitely <laughs> in both arcs there's an episode that is like a quote unquote play of with words or the names of the characters actually. With a, a distant echo is the title of episode two, and gone gone with a trace is episode five. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that. for some reason. I didn't even get the episode five one. Oh yeah, I mean, at, at first I just thought, okay, that's an interesting twist on Gone Without a Trace. But yeah, a, as soon as uh, she introduces herself as Trace, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I see what you did there. But I like the name for a distant echo personally. Yeah, that's cool. Because it also has a meaning, that one does. Because Echo himself is no, uh, no longer himself. And that's that's part of it. Part of it is Echo being obviously far away. It's just there's interesting angles to it with that speak to the, the position of the characters at the time. Gone with a Trace, not necessarily... Not as interesting, I'd say. No. No, no, no. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There, There's a lot to talk about, I feel like. So should we get into it? Yeah, sure. Let's go. Okay, I, I was like bracing for like, no, actually, let me ruin your transition again. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So good. We're good. Okay, so in the first four episode arc we are talking about today, we follow Rex and the Bad Batch and an experimental uh, clone force with so-called, I think they call it desirable mutations or something. Yep. On a special unsanctioned mission during which they discover that Echo, who had been left for dead at the Citadel, is still alive. Uh, and they rescue him from Skeko Minor after he was effectively ghost in the shelled by the uh, by the Techno Union, and an algorithm 
was developed based on his mind, which allowed Admiral Trench to predict basically all the moves of the Republican forces. When they get to Anaxes, Echo makes use of his power to infiltrate the Separatists' droid control and helps the Jedi and the clones to victory. Uh, Trench's plan to blow up the entire facility backfires and Anakin ends up killing him. Uh, and lastly, Echo joins the Bad Batch. That's just like a very, very bird's eye view of what happens because I think we're going to talk a l about a lot of the details. You're better than I am at summarizing <laughs> in brief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So I, ha I have thoughts on the Bad Batch as it is. And I just wanted to ask you first what you thought about them. Or maybe sh uh, should I just say my thoughts? Go go <laughs> yeah, you can say your thoughts. Okay. If you'd like. Okay. So I have I have thoughts and feelings about the Bad Batch because I hope I really hope that they develop the the uh, individual characters some more in the show. Because as it stands, they're just a bunch of like one note characters like very stereotypical very much very tropey you know like the taciturn sniper the tech guy the um who's literally called tech um and the like brute force guy and the like ranger sort of person and it's just like yeah it's fine it's like fine uh, i i enjoyed it for the most part but a lot of the um, action parts were very like weren't that i don't know it wasn't that interesting to me from a character perspective but i guess they were also just introduced and it's like four of them so that's also it would be difficult to pay off um yeah i don't know so i'm i'm very curious about the uh the show and i hope that they we get some more we we're, we'll get some more dimensions let's put it that way yeah i'm sure we will get more dimensions when they give the character has more space to grow. And I think they didn't include a lot of the backstory and depth to the characters on purpose because they knew the show was coming. Yeah. So I think that gives more room for them to do something more meaningful with them. In this context, I I do like the Bad Batch in general or Clone Force 99. I like their bickering and back and forth with the regs. Yeah. Um, I like how there's a power struggle with them and then it really is only after Rex can prove his medal that they or Hunter really allows them to follow what Rex says. I I mean, it's so interesting to me because I think if they were just bounty hunters instead of clones, I think they'd be you would like them. <laughs> Maybe. If it's the same personalities, just bounty hunters. Both of us irrationally like bounty hunters in general. Everybody loves bounty hunters. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I think that the bigger point is that they weren't given as much room in these episodes because of the future show that they knew was coming up. Mm. And also, I like the humor that comes with them, to be honest, particularly with Wrecker. I think his humor is, is funny. Um, and it comes, in, uh, comes across really interestingly. Um, I, of the four of them, he's the one that I like the most. Mm -hmm. um, I find Crosshair kind of bland, as you said. And Hunter is interesting, but I think there's a story there to be told that hasn't been told yet. Mm -hmm. And Tech is Tech is what he is. I mean, the, none of the clones, whether they're Clone Force 99 or any of the other clone forces, are good with names. I mean, Fives' his name is Fives. <laughs> like, 
uh, for example. But I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the humor, it was, you know, it did cross the line into like eye rolly territory for me some of the times. But I did laugh out loud at the very end when Anakin gives gives him the trigger. It's like, oh, I can blow this up. This is the happiest day of my life. Uh, that was really well done. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, again, like I'm just really curious about what they're going to do with the group. Um, especially maybe since we now have the very convenient option of Echo as someone who is joining them and has to, you know, integrate and learn every like get to know everyone. Yeah, um, that's going to be interesting. I also really like the, uh, you know, the regs and bad batch separation in a way, or the the uh, the the little fight that they have. And I'm sure that'll bleed into the next show as well. Yeah, for sure. And I mean. I guess the nicest touch is that they are Clone Force 99, you know, in honor of 99. I really like that. What? So they are Clone Force 99 after after the um they are named after 99 who was the uh I don't know. <laughs> I think at the time I called him the Quasimodo type clone who dies like a few seasons ago. Oh, clo- yeah, Clone Trooper 99. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't know that he was named after them or they were named after him. I think so. I think they 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 even acknowledge it in the show in like a like a offhand comment or something. Oh, interesting. I didn't catch that way. Yeah. Cool. I like that. I like that even more now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that really annoyed me about especially the first episode is that the reveal that Echo might still be alive would have been so much more powerful. If Rex hadn't guessed it earlier and just like mourned, because I think him grappling with Survivor's Guild as he looks at the photo of like Fives and Echo and Heavy and him who are all dead or presumably dead, like that would have been so much more powerful if they had just cut the part where he thinks, but I have a feeling that Echo is still alive. Yeah, I 100% agree. It was an extremely powerful scene about the mourning of friends and survivors' guilt, as you said. But uh, that one line, not good. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But I did also like, I think it was Crosshair who really pulled at that string later on when he basically tells Rex, well, you left him for dead, so. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, and I I would have done the same and all of that. And that just really triggers Rex because he just has this guild inside of him and he knows that Crosshair is right. Yeah, we all know Crosshair is right. And we all know Rex is kind of right too by saying he had no other choice. And it's just uh, the guilt that kind of builds up that emotion inside of him. Mm. So well done. Rex is a character in general because Rex is the fucking bomb. Yeah, he's the best. And I kind of hope... Maybe he joins Bad Batch as well later on, but I don't know. I, I don't know anything. I don't want to hear anything if you know anything. so No, I know nothing. Good, good, good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, it was interesting to me to see Bad Bat, the Bad Batch like ignoring a direct order. I mean, they do so to great effect in the first episode, but that's not something the regs would do probably. Part of what makes them special, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I wonder what impact that has with like uh, uh, order 66 stuff yeah is that do they also follow order 66 or do they not i don't know Mm. yeah that's what i that's what i was thinking in terms of the show as well that maybe they it starts 
with Order 66 and they just suddenly realize everyone else just did a heel turn and they don't know what's going on and they have to go rogue? Uh, you mean the Bad Batch show? Yes. That might be yeah. what happens. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because they do have the mutations and everything, so maybe the chips don't work or whatever. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of, the whole talk about the algorithm kind of ruined Trench for me in a way. Because in previous seasons, he's, he just seemed like a tacti- tactically brilliant. Um, but here he's just like always relying on the algorithm and that's pretty boring. Well, I think the algorithm is a new thing. I think he was brilliant and then he's doing the algorithm algorithm on top of that. If, if that's the case, that's that's actually a really good that's actually a really good comment on like nowadays where we are just really reliant on tr- technology and don't even trust our own perceptions. Mm. Well, that's what he did, I guess in the end. Exactly. That is an interesting comment because it, I mean, Trench didn't have the algorithm before the Citadel anyways. There was no way. Yeah, true. And anyways, there, the Watt Tambor says that it took years of research anyways to get to this point. So I wouldn't imagine that all the way going back to the first chronological episode of Clone Wars that that was when Trench was blown up by Anakin and then sustained his injuries. I don't, there's no way that um trench had this before i think it's just there are just so many beautiful sequences and beautiful shots like even like the lighting of the outpost like command center the command deck was just gorgeous like it's just everywhere you go i think obviously the animation we mentioned but the animation is one thing and then the design of just individual scenes is another thing so it's it was just so gorgeous to see and obviously more beautiful moving forward i'm sure yeah for sure also one thing is that like how do they always survive plane crashes (laughs) all the time yeah that's a little weird and also what did they think it was going to happen they're going to fly into enemy territory and they're just going to get through because they're just one transporter that's not how that works yeah and it's like shouldn't they have one of the quote-unquote gifted bad batch people be flying this plane i don't know yeah for sure i really i kind of hope that one of the bad batch members dies in the in the bad batch show <laughs> because <laughs> uh because i'm a i'm a sadist no um because you know it's one of these things where you know there's going to be a series about them and they're just like really op here like the first like from the from the very beginning, like the first show of strength they have, um, after they get shot down, they just show what they're made of, and they have this really great. They just really show off how they work together as a team and what their individual strengths are, and that's really cool. But it's also like, yeah, but you're like so OP, you can destroy an entire battalion of of droids, just like the four of you. Um. And yeah, don't get me wrong, it's just great to watch, but it's also very like okay, they're like neither of them is never gonna die. And I feel like maybe I maybe that, you know, that's always so boring in a way. Of course. I'm sure they'll kill off somebody and it'll probably be tech. Yeah. <laughs> tech or crosshair, probably. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, probably. Most probably it's gonna be tech, yeah. I think it's tech just because, like, that's would be the most emotional weight because tech is crosshair 
I don't know, maybe people don't have as much emotional attachment to Crosshair as they would with Tech, but yeah, I mean, yeah, true. I'm sure one of them is going to die. Or they're going to kill off the leader and then Echo's going to step in. Nice. That's fine with me. Or Rex. If he if he ends up being... Yeah, yeah, if he ends up being one of them, yeah, for sure. So in episode two, I also have a problem with something in the very beginning. Of course. Which is... Not only is Rex in on Anakin's and Padme's relationship, Obi-Wan is too. And they played as a joke when Obi-Wan, you know, he sees right through Rex and through Anakin and and he tells him, I hope you, uh, he says something to, effect, to the effect of, I hope you at least said hello to Padme from me. And it's just yeah. like, what implications does that have? Like he knows about the relationship, but he tolerates it. And it's just like, like a thing that's played so casually, but that has like severe compl- like implications for everything. Well, I think it's actually really smart because he he doesn't know the extent of it. I mean, we've talked about this earlier. Obi Wan is aware of it, that he is has feelings for Padme, and he's aware of that clearly. Um, the point is, though, that he doesn't know how ma- how far it's gone yet he tolerates the fact that he has feelings for her because of his relationship with Satine and his experience with Satine and he allows him to just or doesn't say anything about it or doesn't have any issues with that, with it because of his own personal experiences but he never thinks that Anakin has gone so far to as to you know wed and have children with and etc cetera, etc cetera, what happens later on and even though even in episode 3 you know, Obi-Wan kind of knows what's going on in the movies that I'm talking about. He he knows. I mean, you know that he knows by telling her, like, oh, at, he immediately guesses that Anakin is the father, right? So I think that, like, it's actually quite smart that they more they also, like, mention that, oh, yeah, he does know. And it would, make, it would not make sense to me if Obi-Wan didn't know. And Rex and Anakin, of course, Rex knows. Like, Rex is his, like best friend basically except for obi-wan maybe (laughs) depending on the time but still i mean to the extent that we have seen it so far i think all of what you just said would apply too but the fact that anakin steals away to have like a facetime call with with padme that just goes to show that he like the uh the relationship is much deeper than obi-wan has uh, known about so far i feel like no i think they know that he has special feel they have special feelings for one another it's to that extent and you you have facetime calls with people that you're not married to right you don't know what i'm doing <laughs> i mean one can conceivably have a facetime call with someone <laughs> they're not married with yeah that's true that's true so i think that like the thing is they know he knows that even their feelings are not platonic right so even Yoda knows that they have their friends at least, right? Or they all know that they're friends at least. Obi Wan knows a little bit more in the fact that they have like actual feelings for another. Like he wasn't friends with Satine; he was in love with Satine. So he th- he probably knows that Anakin's in love with Padme. Um, but by what I mean by the extent of it is, I mean more actual getting married and actually, yeah. you know, having children. Eventually, I think she's actually pregnant in this episode too yeah yeah that's what i was thinking as well like you see a little bit mm, i didn't want to comment on it because that's always a slippery slope on of like commenting (laughs) on that type of thing (laughs) i mean she's not a real person that's true but still 
Never ask anyone if they're pregnant. Never. That's a good point. I mean, I remember I I want I walked into a, a restaurant in Nebraska last week or whatever. Not last week, last month. And I walked in and the lady was pregnant. I'm like, oh, immediately, congratulations. And I thought in the back of my head, oh my God, if she's not pregnant, I am so <laughs> screwed. Yeah. But she was like two weeks like from being due or whatever. Okay. So okay. I, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. And she took it well, obviously. So Yeah. Um yeah, but for me I guess it's it's a it's a step before that where so if, if you meet up when you're in the same city, that's one thing, but like literally having calls, it's a different when you're away. That just goes to show that the uh relationship is already like closer than the Jedi know. But that's my maybe maybe that's just a like minute difference that we're like that we just have a diff- different like perspective on. The key level is what the Jedi know, what Obi-Wan knows, and what Anakin is actually doing. And there's a difference between what the Jedi know and what Obi-Wan knows. Yeah, for sure. Right. So if it were Mace Windu in that place, making a joke about Padme, that would make absolutely no sense. But when we're talking about Obi-Wan counting his own relationship with Satine and Loki his grief of losing Satine, Mm. that is another thing. Because to a certain extent, he still is mourning Satine. You mm-hmm. can't, we can't never forget that. No. And he wants Anakin to have the love that, to a certain extent, the love that he could never have. Mm. I find it very interesting. There's just so many layers to Obi-Wan as a character revealed through this television show. Cue uh, to the live action show with Ewan McGregor. Oh my God, I can't wait. I know. <laughs> we have to wait a little bit longer though. Um, but about that call, I really like what Padme tells Anakin, you know, Rex is something to the, like he, she says, uh, Rex is, uh, is always right beside you. So that's, uh, where you should be now too, because Anakin is kind of has his doubts about what's going on with Rex because, you know, thinking, okay, Echo might still be alive. And the whole, we get the entire thing again of, don't let your personal feelings influence your behavior which again is just like great when it comes from Anakin. and i like how padme calls him on a shit there yeah exactly to be fair like a not so hot take i think this is the the best conversation between anakin and padme in all of star wars yeah absolutely it's the only one that doesn't make me very very cringy and puke so another thing that i hate is <laughs> you're like mr debbie downer here today i know anytime anyone uses the word primitive uh yes i agree and they also call the leader chief oh i didn't notice that but uh, yeah fine. that's just uh really guys are we it's, are we still doing this uh, i hate it well from their perspective it makes sense that they would call them primitive because they call everyone who's you know, and that they'd call us primitive, clearly. Yeah, I guess so. You know, it's not it's not a great look, but it makes sense from that character's perspective that they would say that word as well. Because mm-hmm. there's always, like, there's this debate between should we excuse... Should we include something in a television show that is not ideal to be included if it would come from that character's perspective naturally, right? 
And there's a line, obviously, where you draw that. And there's some things that you don't want to ever include in a television show. Um, just either as a um, a tacit approval of it or, you know, you don't want to have certain things out there in the media or, you know, some things are just inappropriate. You just wouldn't say, right? Yeah. Um, I think yeah, I think your point is is right that that is an appropriate way to com- to talk about you know these people or the Poltex. Just let's call them by their names. I mean, we don't even know that that's their names. That's the names that they were given to us, right? Um, but from their perspective of these imperialists, republic troopers, that's that's the language they would use. Yeah, I know, I know. It's uh, and again, it's it's not so much that it is. It's it's more of a exasperation of just the sheer fact that people use that, and I you know, I get I think you're right that um, it makes sense for them to use it. It it is just you know my I'm just dissatisfied with people in general doing that. Yeah, people use that even today to speak about people on this earth. Yeah, and that's yeah. ridiculous all the time. Um, yeah. I don't really have much more to say on that episode, to be honest. It's just like straightforward. They go to the uh, to the uh, facility. They rescue Echo. I just love the relationship between Anakin and Rex. It's just, it's so good. And it's obviously not only in this episode. It comes up way, like way in the past. And it's just, Rex and Anakin are amazing as just Fred, like best, they're best buds in a way, right? Mm. They're two best buds in a buddy cop show, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, they know they always have each other's backs in any situation that they're in together. Yeah, and I like how Padme makes Anakin aware of that, that Rex is always by his side, so he should be by Rex's side. So, yeah. And I like the the conversation that they have at the side. So he pulls him aside and he um, kind of questions him. And in that sense, it's like, Anakin is great as a commander, as a mentor. It's incredible. And it's like you can see why he was referenced as a Clone Wars hero. It's really incredible. Yeah, absolutely. and I mean, even sad to see the fall. Now that you see his physical appearance look like he actually does look like when he turns to the dark side, it it becomes more imminent, right? A question that I have, an interesting one, is about the tech, the techno union, mm-hmm. just like. The Republic are just idiots. All of these neutral, quote-unquote, neutral parties are basically separatists. Like, the Techno Union, the Trade Federation, the banking clans, they're just all essentially used by the separatists in, in some way, shape, or form. And neutrality is uh, cover for just doing whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I wonder how to which extent Palpatine is behind this and he can cover things up because it just suits his plans. Good point. Good point. Because I feel like a lot of people who are high up in the Republic, if if you know, if the Chancellor would say, Yeah, no, they're neutral, it's all cool, um, they would begrudgingly or like agree or be convinced just by the sheer fact that Palpatine says it. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Again, I guess Palpatine all goes back to Palpatine. Fuck that guy. I mean, he's a genius. Yeah, but also fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely fuck that guy. But yeah, he's he's great in his way. Well, the thing is, is that like some of like the most evil people in history are some of the smartest people in history, right? And obviously, good and evil is a perspective to a large extent. Not ex- 
not always, but to a large extent it is, you know. Um, but we will not get into how history is written by the no, victors, right? Absolutely not. I know. Isn't the saying "history is written by the vanquished," right? <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Let's rewrite a lot, uh, like some sayings. Exactly. Like, uh, like Mai did with like feed two birds with one scone. Do you remember that? Nope. But that's awesome. <laughs> that's really amazing. Um, and uh, one thing that I like, I really like the horror kind of like scene where Echo like falls out of the chamber. Yeah. And that one second, and, and like as Rex jumps back, you're just like, oh my god, and just like it's such a well done like he's become this man machine thing in such a horrific well done way it's just so gorgeous and his eyes just the way they roll and he's just unconscious it's, it's amazing and like the ports literally in his body his like right arm yeah all of these things it's just it's it's a really they're like again a really fine line of doing it too much but i think they're doing it perfectly here yep 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 yeah. I like though that the uh, techno union members are basically moving on segways. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> I mean, when you get that rich, you don't have time for walking. Again, one of these things where things that the bad badge does doesn't really make sense is like Wrecker is able to throw everyone perfectly into the ex exhaust vent. It's like, yeah, sure, you can do that. Like, or aim perfectly. That's not how that works. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a very nitpicky thing, but sure. I know, I know. <laughs> you're really, you're like predisposed to not like these guys. Yeah, but like Wrecker particularly, I mean, we get the, we get this thing with like Crosshair doing like, putting all the reflectors on a wall and like killing, like destroying a bunch of droids with one shot. And that's pretty clever, but like, and maybe not really realistic, but uh wreckers powers are just ridiculous <laughs> like in the very first episode i think tech tries to open a door like, like one of these standard super heavy metal doors and wrecker just pushes it open or like mm -hmm. pulls it open rather and that just doesn't make like he can't be that strong like he's not the fucking hulk maybe he is <laughs> i mean no no, 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 no. Um, not with that muscle mass. And yeah, I, I do I did like the touch though with um Anakin. I can do this by myself, it's fine. Yeah. And then he like he uses the force to get Wrecker as well. And yeah. that that was pretty funny. And like I don't know, I kind of thought that it was funny that Wrecker is afraid of heights. That was a nice touch. That was really nice. Um but of course, you know, when they're trying to escape, of course, there's a narrow pipe to go over. And of course, yeah. again, they're attacked from both sides. Um, it reminded me a little bit of um, the Bridge of Khazad Doom from Lord of the Rings. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, because it's, again, like a really narrow pathway and a huge abyss to either side. Yeah. Also, I know we have talked about this sometime and i don't don't remember which other creature it was but there are at least two other creatures which sound like that mantis from episode two the movie so you remember in the Colosseum scene on uh, uh on on uh, genosis you know and the sound that it makes the um 
the Caradux sound exactly the same. And there's another species that I've seen or rather heard somewhere in some Star Wars media that has the exact same sound. Oh, interesting. I did not remember slash notice that. Yeah. Speaking of sounds, I was going to mention that later, but I'm just going to do it now. Um, there is another Wilhelm scream uh, in the second arc that we're going to talk about later. Oh, yeah. When um, in episode seven, when the barrels explode there and like one of the uh, Pike syndicate members is uh, blown away. He does the the Wilhelm scream, and what's what? But what's actually where I was re- what I was really surprised by uh, the um, the like space reptile guy who is like in charge of the spice. You know the guy yes. I'm talking to. Yes. He ma- when he's fighting with Rafa, he makes a velo- velociraptor sound. Oh, because he's one of the he's uh, I forget the species that they are. Yeah. Me too. That's why I refer to them as space reptiles, <laughs> which is also bad. I apologize. Uh, but it was, it, they do sound like the velociraptors from Jurassic Park, which is just crazy to me that they got that sound too, you know? <laughs> I don't know if the same is the same exact sound. Maybe it, it is. It is. I, I swear. I, I mean, I didn't check it, but it, I know the sound. I haven't counted many velociraptors in my life, so I know how they sound. No, but... Uh, <laughs> This it's one like I am a hundred percent convinced that it's the, literally the same sound. Okay, that's fine. Uh, anyway, <laughs> huge huge tangent. Yeah, that was a that was a big one. But yeah, sorry everyone. Um, but yeah, also the music in the this scene where they're escaping uh, from the pipe onto the uh, Kyrodax. That was a pretty, that was like a really nice touch as well. It was like very Mickey Mousey in a way. Yeah, and I kind of like the touch as well where that the droids can fly. They look kind of like insects in a way, like a little bit like dragonflies or something like that. Yeah, that was a cool one for sure. Mm. And we, um, yeah, we, you know, in the in the very first season, as in the very last season, we get a neutral party uh, drawn into the war yeah and it's nice but it, not nice for them obviously but it's interesting to see we've basically come full circle exactly that's what it felt like to me as well from the lermans to the poltex from one primitive people to the next you could say i mean you said it but i do think that like the difference in those two depictions in uh, at least at the very least the 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 visual depiction of them not not of them as individuals wow what am i trying to say it's just visually a lot better obviously yeah and more complex i would say than it was in the first episode in season one um but in season one it was obviously more upfront about we're going to stay neutral right Mm. and this one it seems more like well fuck we just gotta fight exactly yeah yeah yeah, but I mean, that's just, you know, because in season one, that was part of the entire arc. And here it's just like, a, it doesn't really matter. Um, But maybe especially so, like, that's, maybe that makes it all the more important that it is there. Yeah, no, I think it's important. The The question I always have is that when the Republic then leaves, what's stopping the Techno Union to come back and just destroy all of them and massacre everybody? So Yeah, it's going to be either... Either they're going to get massacred by the Techno Union or the Republic uh, sends a lot of reinforcements. <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the two options. 
Exactly. And then that republic becomes the empire, and then shit. Yeah, fucked either way. Yay. Yeah. Well, that's the whole universe or the whole galaxy at this time in, in particular. Mm. Oh, man. That would also be a really interesting thing, too. Maybe we'll see that in Bad Batch or some other show where we can just see how the uh, uh, that change from the Republic to the Empire happens. So many things to explore in Star Wars. It's so interesting. I do like the scene where um, Anakin just is showing off, quote-unquote. I don't like the comment at the end where they say, oh, it's hard to compete with the Jedi. But before that, when Anakin and Echo looks at him, he's like, still showing off. And Anakin's like, you know me? And then he jumps down and just like, yeah, that was cool. Destroys the walker or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I just don't get why the walkers, like, why is it, does it, does it always have to be like the eyes? Like it's like the quote unquote eyes rather. So it doesn't make any sense. Well, I think it's like, you know, they need to see, I guess. Maybe they don't want Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things like that, but you know, you need to have a vision, a visual of things before you shoot them. So if you can take those out and obviously those are the least heavily armored parts of the car or not the car, the, the walker, but parts of the car. I mean, nice. it's, but the thing is sometimes it's the legs, sometimes it's the, the, the eyes. You're right. But there is always a vulnerable spot to the design of everything. For sure. Okay, so what, maybe before we go into episode four, um, what did you think about Echo just in general at this point? I mean, I have no problems with Echo. I, I sense that question is leading me towards something that you have a problem with. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I was just, <laughs> because they they really, so at the end of episode three, there is the, the last shot is, you know, very ominous of Echo you know he's looking like a little bit suspicious maybe and they kind of play on that in the next in the upcoming episode i didn't understand why they played about played on that to be honest i think it came from nowhere is this this sense of loyalty for echo and obviously tech and crosshair or just the bad batch in general question his loyalty a couple times yeah and i'm just like that wasn't really founded. I understand that he was under their like brain control for a while, but like, I mean, I think they could have done more to demonstrate the fact that he could have been working still for the separatists. You know, some ambiguous moral quandary that they put him in. But I feel like the questions of his loyalty were sort of unfounded and not really, you know. Yeah, and so obviously unfounded. Like I would have, uh, I agree with you 100% that I would have, I don't mind the fact that they question Echo at all. Just the way it's done, I I really didn't like. Yeah. Because they, you know, they, they don't like, it's not like they have a team meeting and say, okay, we should, we need to watch out. They like, just tell him, tell it to Echo's face repeatedly, like very bluntly. And uh, that's not how you do it. Like, I am suspicious of you. I was like, no, that's not how that works. And yeah, I would have also liked like one or two situations in which you could see where they're coming from. But it's just like, yeah, it's kind of really unfounded. And you you as a, like, a, an aud- like the audience never has reason to question Echo. And that's kind of a shortcoming here. Um, I did, I did like the 
uh, Echo's plan to feed trenches, droids, some misinfo, and all of the like everything that Echo does in episode four is pretty great. Yeah, no, Echo's um, awesome in what he does. It's just yeah, the setup was a little weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there are some mace things in this episode that are just I I could just sense you being upset about this, like when he when he addresses all the droids like. Yeah, I have defeated a hundred thousand of you guys, so you know, surrender yourself to reprogramming or or be destroyed or something. And it's just so stupid. Um, later on, when uh, he needs to disarm the bomb, I I I just thought, if Mace obviously we know he's survive he'll survive this, but like if Mace died here, Rashad wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs> oh my god, I have a hot take. Okay, I don't mind Mace in this episode. <gasps> wow okay interesting i think mace is fine in the battlefield i think it's w- when he's back on coruscant is the problem it's just politics yeah or just you know general humanity yeah. but i mean i think he's fine good as a leader he's just like sacri- go like get your men i'll take care of this go save yourselves kind of thing yeah i liked that um decision by mace to go and do it himself so yeah like obviously i wouldn't care in the grand scheme of things if mace died um but that's fine i'm all i'm all i'm all right with it and i like i don't like his speech the reprogramming speech but i like the droids response like the silence and then the just the blast them i found that <laughs> very funny. yeah that was pretty good yeah yeah i'm not i'm not like super dunking on mace either you know yeah, I think just like you can see he's a really capable general and all of that. It's just, you know, the 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 speech was weird. Well, um, I will say that this episode has clued me into the small amount of value that Mace Windu has. Wow. Hot take. Well, also I I was I was reminded of I think it was season two when they were on Ryloth and Mace was like kind of kicking ass. It's like, oh yeah, that's Mace in his natural element when he is actually fighting on the battlefield, leading, just being a badass with his sword. Mm -hmm. Not when he's on Coruscant trying to understand how to manage an entire organization and deal with politics. And as bad as Yoda is with politics, Mace is just like infinitely worse at just people management. Like you don't have your, you know, there's a reason why we have people who specialize in certain things and not people who do everything. Yeah, for sure. Um, should we talk about Anakin and Trench? Sure. <laughs> um, I thought the I thought the exchange between Anakin and Trench was really interesting. Um, first of all, because Trench because Trench trusts in like kind of a fair treatment or a good treatment by the Jedi. And, you know, not to be killed and just, you know, and Anakin retorts, I don't have such weaknesses, which is just, it's all right there. Yeah. I would just like, damn, son, that's awesome. Yeah, that is. I mean, that, you know, that's just so, it just tells you what's to come, basically. He, like, the, the way Anakin thinks about the Jedi as well is so interesting. Um yeah and obviously later on trench attacks him um and and trench gets killed by him 
uh, with the, one of these moves that you see in samurai movies a lot, where you just cut someone and then you just leave, and the other per like the other person, it takes a little while for them to like fall down. I I'm always a sucker for that. It's <laughs> it's not realistic at all, but I love it every time. It's so cool. Um, but yeah, I, I was really surprised that Trench get killed, like that that Anakin kills him. To be honest with you, and I thought that, that was a like, kind of a ruthless thing. No, yeah, it was impressive, and I like that whole um it, uh, that whole interaction from the very beginning when Anakin walks in and Trench calls him Jedi scum. I just love the word scum, <laughs> scum. at any time. Can we call it Chekhov's scum? Yeah, please. I feel like that's like apparently the most. Like the worst thing you can call anyone in Star Wars. It must be. <laughs> <laughs> or it's literally the only swear word. I guess. Good point. I mean, it's a good insult, I guess. Yeah, just by the sheer fact that it might just be the only one. It It is, by definition, the worst. It Does Rebel Scum come from episode four or five? Oh, that's a god. I hate that I don't know that from the off the top of my head um oh wow episode six. Oh, okay whoa from the battle of endor at the okay. end of the wow that's crazy yeah it just goes to show another throwaway line that yeah. is just like once and then is just like taken for a ride basically but uh, i like the trench and anakin rivalry um, I don't think Trench knows it was Anakin who shot him down at the very beginning, but I like their, you know, this is like a fitting conclusion to both of their, not both of their arcs, but their joint arc together. Yeah, absolutely. And in the in the end, in in the end, Rex, you know, if you if you truly if you truly love someone, you gotta let them go, and that's what Rex does. That was so sad. I know it was like. But I like Echo's addition to the Bad Batch. I think it adds a layer to them that they need. Uh, a character that we care about, we've seen more about. Um, I'm very looking, very much looking forward to the TV show. And that's what these episodes are for. It's just like set up one of our characters, bring them back to life, you know, add more depth to Rex as a character, and then create a platform to run away with on the Bad Batch. So Yeah. I wonder, though, and and that would kind of go with your theory that if one of them gets killed, it's Tech because Echo also has a lot of the abilities that Tech has, probably. Yeah. So maybe Tech is kind of superfluous now, in that sense. Okay, that's that. Do you have any any more on this arc? Nope, I got nothing. I'm excited to see Bad Batch. That's it. Yeah. And then we go into the kind of the lull of the season. Oh. <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know what's to come but i gotta imagine that this is uh, the only not so interesting part of this I, I would hope so it's so interesting to me that like they had planned this season for so long and they had limited space they had 13 episodes or 12 episodes or whatever and they gave four of them to this whole thing yeah i don't know i i mean like dave filoni is a god and i'll never question him entirely but like ugh, just a little disappointing yeah, it's uh, that you could have definitely done that in three, or it. The quest. The question is, do you need this at all? But I mean, all it does is that it just Ahsoka and Bo-Katan 
meet. <laughs> like that's the the only connection to the larger story. And you get more into the pikes or whatever, and you get the sense that like, oh, it answers your question that you had earlier about Maul. Um, and what is his timing with Maul so like ruling the underworld or whatever? But, yeah, for sure. And you know, if uh, <laughs> that that is one of the uh, things that always comes up when we talk about Star Wars. But if Amelia Clark was a better actress. Uh, I'd love to see a movie or a show about her running Crimson Dawn and working with Maul and all of That'd that. That'd be awesome. But yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, so Ahsoka's back and um, we're very excited about that, obviously. Mm, we find her struggling with a broken speeder and uh, befriending a mechanic called Trace in the lower levels of Coruscant. She helps Trace and her older sister, Rafa, who is suspicious of and feels threatened by Ahsoka um uh you know like basically she helps her them out in a few tricky situations um and rafa rafa secures a well-paid job to run spice for the pike syndicate because the sisters are in great financial need because they just are struggling to make ends meet and whilst rafa and ahsoka fight over the morals of that job trace just dumps the cargo because she's scared of the pikes and especially of losing her ship Ahsoka has kept to herself that she used to be a Jedi, which probably was a good thing uh, because when the Pikes keep the three of them prisoner, the sisters basically info, info dump their tragic backstory of why they dislike the Jedi to Ahsoka. And we'll get into that, I'm sure. Um, the Pikes are also in a bit of a pickle since they desperately need the spice that Trace dumped to basically please Maul so that they so that now they're really uh going after it to get it from the th from our three heroes here or yeah whatever um they go after it with a vengeance and there's some torture there's some es attempted escape there's some other uh, some other shenanigans but finally the three manage to escape to Coruscant and last but not least, Bo-Katan shows up and asks Ahsoka to help her take down Maul. God, I have no sympathy for Rafa. <laughs> like, no. zero. Ugh, she's so manipulative in actually, like, a very effective and good way. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but fuck Rafa. Yep. We'll start there. That is that is the first note that I have on season six. It is that is a toxic and abusive relationship between the two sisters. The whole thing of looking out for each other and only trusting each other that's so possessive and manipulative it's uh it's not good exactly and it just reinforces a unique reliance on rafa that uh, trace doesn't need but she believes she needs because of that and she just deflects blame all everything is trace's fault everything is something else's fault like oh, rafa's the worst she really is and she's supposed to have like come around a little bit by the end, but no, she's just oh. no. And I and I like that Ahsoka kind of calls her on that. You know, are you sure that you know you're good for your sister, basically? Because she isn't. She really isn't, and uh, I don't know. I I mean, I guess we'll see if we ever see the two of them again. But I kind of worry for Trace because I I agree with Ahsoka that she is not cut out for this type of life. And I don't think, um, you know, Rafa should drag her down like that. But anyway, so I, I did, I did wonder in the very beginning, why, whilst 
uh, Ahsoka was struggling with her speeder. Like, what does does one do as an ex Jedi? Like, how do you how do you even like get money? I guess you can just find some job or whatever, like any other person. But it's just like, I mean, if you think about it, you're like, if you're a trained Jedi, you are a starfighter pilot, you are a mechanic, you are like a navigator, you are like an expert in so many things. And they ask her like, how do you know so many things? And so you can find jobs. Or you can just become an, like a bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do the um, Ventress path. Yeah, I miss Ventress. Oh yeah, yeah. I for a second I thought I I thought that it might be her on uh, uh, in the in the cape and the mask, but it's obviously Mandalorians, <laughs> as I very quickly realized. But for a second I thought, oh, this might be Ventress. That would be great. Um, Because I could also just watch Ahsoka and Ventress for like a season. Yeah, I wonder if like whenever she'll show up next, you know? Yeah, if she ever shows up. But I feel like she's too great of a character not to have her show up. Right. I love, this just like from season episode five, I mean. she. I love the scene where she's like standing at the platform looking up at the ships that goes above her. Oh, like yeah. I think it's a clone transport or something that's like rising up to the surface, and she just looks up. And the music as well, the the Star Wars, like the, it's the same at, at least at the very beginning. It's the same as with that you know iconic scene uh, with Luke and the two sons. It's same, yeah. As she's looking so longingly at a life she left behind and questioning everything that she's ever done. And it's amazing. It's so well done. And it's like all silent. I love it when film or television can convey so much without dialogue. It's just so good. And good job. Good job, Ahsoka. Or good job, Dave Filoni. I mean, he's not the director of this episode, but still. Yeah, he's not the only one who worked on this show. But how can we not talk about him, right? Um. Yeah, I, I loved when the uh, I don't know I forget his name the guy like that uh, Rafa owns money to and his two thugs come and both uh, Trace and he tell Ahsoka to stay out of this like at the same time that was a pretty fun moment I thought and then of course Trace you know on second thought and then Ahsoka just kicks their asses of course she does. I like there's like a second of pause when she gets she gets into her fighting stance and starts to move and they're just like what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like what's happening here? Yeah, but also it was a little heartbreaking. I'm sure you felt the same when uh, Trace asks her where she learned it and Ahsoka says my older brother told me. Oh, like, oh my god. My heart melted. <laughs> yeah. It was so sweet. Yeah. Oh. And then like everything she went to Skywalker Academy and I'm just like Oh, Ahsoka, like, yeah, I you're know. the best. Still, I have to say that I did not like much of the writing between Trace and Ahsoka. It was like, I, I felt like that was really wooden in some stretches. Do you have any specific points that you wrote down? I don't know. I feel I just don't feel like, like nobody would talk like that, you know. It's just like, uh, or it's like a terrible first date sort of thing. So, what do you do? What's your story? All these sorts of things. It's like a very like, uh, I don't know. It's a little weird. That's funny. Um, I think it makes sense from Ahsoka's perspective. Trace, yeah, you're right. I think maybe she's just very socially awkward. Um, yeah, you can you can really feel that 
Trace is so ready to have some friends. Like she like really quickly like, hey, what's up? You know, and like the way she interacts with Ahsoka is like really clearly shows that she would love to have someone else in her life except for her sister. And it kind of made me sad because you can kind of sense the lonely loneliness that is just, you know, obviously like under that. I like though that um, Ahsoka also pointed out in that first episode that she she says like i still don't know people and it's like yeah very clearly because you grew up so sheltered in like basically a monastery and sure you got out of out of it on missions and everything but everything you knew is like this form of very sheltered life um and now she has to make her way in the real world <laughs> i guess it's so interesting there's a just juxtaposition between the war and everything and then the people's actual lives it's you know from a coruscant residence perspective the real world is the underworld of coruscant but that's also a very restrictive perspective because it is ignoring the needs of thousands of planets across the galaxy yeah so it's a very interesting you know it's played off as from their perspective you don't understand what's really going on but then really they don't understand what's going on because what's going on is something way beyond Coruscant in general. So it's very interesting. Um, and it, I think it's reflective of a lot of things that we also talk about in our people's limited perspectives of their own circles. You know, it might be, you know, more reflective of certain things, but in reality, all we can really see is our immediate surroundings. And it almost becomes impossible for us to really understand what's going on on a global scale because there are so many inter twining forces that we have to all play or play with right so it's very interesting um, to cross to create a cross section of all of those needs where in reality there is no real quote-unquote real world so i don't know i think this is like a it wasn't an overt commentary on that through these episodes but it reminded me of what does it mean to really be like when you leave we talk about this a lot when it comes to traveling or moving on in life and moving or moving into a new chapter of your life. But when you leave a comfort zone that you're so used to and move into another comfort zone or another zone in general that you're not comfortable in, it makes you understand, re-understand everything you've ever learned and reimagine the world in a new image, in a new perspective. And this is the journey that Ahsoka is going through, the, through in these episodes. And it allows her to sort of potentially intersect across the different lines of what it means to be part of the world and the different forces out there in the world because you know from her perspective she knew something was wrong from the jedi Mm. right she that's why she left she she understood the hypocrisy she understood the teachings and how the jedi weren't adhering to those teachings but when push comes to shove she didn't really know what else was out there and what actually made up the world from her perspective so it's a very interesting thing. And, you know, from Trace's limited perspective, or even Trace and Rafa's limited perspectives, they haven't really had to do... She, they've done other things, right? So, obviously, their parents died, and that's tragic, and they had to live with the consequences, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't necessarily... They, it's impossible for them to see the other side of the perspective of the war because of their limited means. But that also limits their ability to see 
the global or I guess from their perspective, galactic consequences of every single day's actions. But I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> that was a lot. Wow. How to follow yeah, how to follow up like follow after that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> every once in a while I get into like a mood or a zone and then I'm just yeah. like I leave you with nothing to say. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> oh. so what did you think of the um i don't know i thought that, like the the malfunctioning just uh, like uh droids was like a nice little action sequence i like the droids designs as well the record droids yeah the, the destruction droids yeah they're cool yeah that was pretty nice i like the, the little ways in which ahsoka uses the force throughout these episodes yeah the um, hidden ways it's really cool yeah, it was really and nice. only the child notices clearly because the child is the only one who's actually perceptive. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, again, this first episode is like not that interesting. Is that all the first episode? Wow. Yeah, most of it is. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, second episode. Of course, there's this coincidence that when they pass like the uh, republican ship it's anakin in there it's like oh come on really i mean i kind of liked it it's fine <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah okay but like it is you lauren talking on the the radio so we hear a familiar general that we know who worked with anakin and then it's anakin with there i kind of like that they yeah. can sense each other sure but it's also it didn't have to be anakin and you lauren could have just been like someone else yeah it could have been slow coon that'd be cool but yeah i guess or just so. someone random yeah just but. just like a random admiral who we don't know that would be fine part of me i don't know it's just like that's why they didn't send the platoon to arrest them it's like oh yeah absolutely i mean obviously that's why but like i don't know it's okay i don't mind it mm. i know you mind it it's a little too coincidental for you i'm just like it's coincidental in an ahsoka anakin way so that's fine with me yeah, yeah i know i mean i'd also uh, kind of liked it on that level but it's also like in terms of the uh, storytelling it's just no not for me <laughs> um i really liked the um uh like traces um so so basically <laughs> trace in in this episode kind of reminded me of ray and uh, in in one instance where she says, "I've never been to hyperspace," which she says during hyperspace, and I like like the way that um, that Rafa put it, like she like her thing with piloting is more a dream of being a pilot than actually having experience with it. And yeah, also while we're at it, you know, the way that uh, Rafa tries to bullshit her way out of things also is very reminiscent of Han, obviously. So Han, yeah, it was so funny, and the fact that it fails every time is even better. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I was actually really excited to go to Castle. So was I. Uh, I really, obviously, it's it's really, it's a really brutal thing. But I really like that Trace thinks it's droids in the in the spice mines. But Ahsoka's nope. There's actually the, those are people, and they're slaves and all of that. And Rafa's like, yeah, we don't need to worry about all of that. Was like, and Rafa yeah. was like, "Yeah, the Republic would shut it down." And Ahsoka's like, "You'd think." Yeah, yeah, I like I like the little touches. Sometimes it was too overt for me, but like in this in this instance, I liked 
I like, yeah, you think. I also liked that it was, you know, before they even see the slaves, um, Rafa alludes to, quote, a price to be paid. And yeah. that was just so ominous in a way. Mm-hmm. And that we know that it was slave labor that kind of made Kessel what it is. But just to call it like a price, oh, it's kind of sad. It is. It is. Um yeah, you can you can definitely tell that Rafa is in over her head, although she probably does would not agree with that. <laughs> I was really surprised that Trace just dumped the spice. It was also like it was not really believable in the sense like okay, she's worried about her ship, but I mean, if that's the only... Like, this can't just be the only reason. At least have her also be afraid of the pikes in general. I see, I see. You know? Yeah, I think she is just so emotionally attached to her ship that it just kind of threw all logic out the window. So it kind of made sense. Just, I mean, they have, like, from the very beginning, established this relationship she has with the ship. Like, she scrounged for years and years to build it from scratch. And, you know, they, they've talked about it up for three episodes at this point. So... It kind of makes sense that she would just kind of, or two episodes, sorry, that she would just panic uh, and do something really stupid. Um, But I see what you mean in terms of there should have been something else there. Uh, But I'm fine with it because it is an emotional, irrational response to what's going on. Yeah, for sure. And uh, (laughs) she's just naive. That's all all that is. It's another word for dumbass. (laughs) <laughs> i wasn't gonna say it but i'm kind of glad you did um i like that rafa and ahsoka are equally shocked by this and was like what no that's not that's what neither of us wanted um and now we're in big trouble and you know rafa again is just like super manipulative threatening trace that they might have to sell the ship and all of that ahsoka obviously trying the jedi mind trick on the pike guy into giving them just giving them the credits <laughs> it's like but wait a second like there's unfortunately for them there's more than one person there and um his like his buddy or whatever is like quick on the uptake is like wait a second this doesn't make any sense what you just did and then tractor beam i've never seen tractor beams like that on like small planes or small ships that kind of are used as a like to stop someone from getting away in that way it's i liked it yeah, for sure. It was really interesting. So in my uh, little plot summary, I referred to the Im- info dump of the backstory. And I was just really curious to hear like what you thought about this entire thing. Obviously, an info dump like that is not... Um, what am I trying to say? It's not subtly done or not done in a great way. I do like how they intertwined it with characters and events that we already know and have seen. So I like that connectivity. So we know it's Cad Bane who shot the ship down and we know who Zero is and we know that it was Luminara and Dooley who talked to them. And we know because Luminara is kind of a, not a dick, but like very cold in general. She know We know that her natural response would just be that the force will be with you or something like that. So, I mean, I understand from their character's perspective their animosity towards the Jedi because of this experience. It's kind of silly that they were all just kind of standing around watching. 
in their house. Um, they should have just been running away from the very beginning. That's kind of silly. Uh, but that's not your question. Uh, I'd, I, mm, it's a classic scene of any prison sequence where you're stuck with people in uh, a room that you just dump all of your backstory on them. It would have been really interesting. It would have been maybe better if Ahsoka retorted at that time. I get it. The Jedi are blah, blah, blah. This is why I left. And then explain her position as well. Mm -hmm. That would have been cool. Um, Because I think it was in this way used to sort of emotionally manipulate us to a certain extent and heighten the tension for Ahsoka's Jedi reveal. But, you know, if I were to Ahsoka in that sense, be like, I get it the Jedi and this is why I left and this is my situation and that would have been a cool difference or alternative story but you know we're not writing this I wish we were I don't know that was a long-winded answer to what you're talking about is that I like part of it and I like the the content I don't like the delivery and I feel that it was sort of unnecessary yeah I I feel the same way but it's also standard it's all in like so many television Oh, so many movies and TV, that's the case, right? You're stuck with people that unfamiliar people in like a in like prison or some sort of cell or some sort of place where you have to talk to each other and then you're you guys swap backstories. How many times mm. have you seen this in film? You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh well Well, that's fine. That's fine, I guess. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree with the fact that they refer to things that we know about and we know everyone involved that was pretty cool mm. yeah but the rest of it was just like yeah whatever this is like i just don't really need to listen for the next two minutes yeah and then again we get some torture also like that was really easy for trace to escape she is not skilled at all and these are trained guards like yeah I also thought, why doesn't Ahsoka try to overwhelm just the two Pike guards, and then they, the three of them, can try to escape? Exactly. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, when they are on the escape, I like that sequence. Yeah, the escape sequence itself is fun, but like when when the two guards come to to just pick pick up uh, or like to <laughs> to uh, to take Trace with them to get tortured. Why doesn't Ahsoka just intervene? We see that she can fight, and like worst thing that happens is she she has to use the force, but she can clearly do that. So why not try? That's very very not Ahsoka in a way. Um, but yeah, so they they escape, of course, and uh, or try to escape and. I like the little touches again, like with using the force in a way that the other two can't really tell. Um, and, um, you know, both in terms of like, you know, throwing some more barrels into the fire or helping them with the jump. Mm. Yeah. I can, <laughs> uh, the, the one thing that when they mentioned the backstory is like they, like that, know the whole like ahsoka's whole thing of helping people reminds them of their mother that i found touching actually um that was like the one tidbit about their backstory that i liked Mm. what's what what is it with like space goats that they're all on the street 
Like because the, we have we have I think we have encountered two so far, both with Ahsoka. The first one was when she had to go undercover and traded like the goats. Like that was on Coruscant. She traded the uh something with for the guy's coat. Ah yes. You know. <laughs> and oh, here is one goats. again be- begging and is like, what's the deal with that? Um yeah, and I, but I did like that he rats them out to the Pikes just because they didn't give the, give him any money. That was like, yeah, that's like a direct consequence of being a dick, kind of. Um, yeah, and that's when we catch the first glimpse of the Mandalorians. Um, it was just interesting to me how the Mandalorians throughout were just observing. They were not about to intervene in anything. Um, maybe they would have at some point, but they were in like there were at least two situations where they where they were, where they were about to die. So yeah, and Ahsoka's plan is also really weird. Like of like yeah, they don't know me. I'm like give them one rotation, blah blah blah. That was like yeah, fine. Um, again, I like that uh, Rafa immediately got her plan. Trace didn't at all. Oh, um, yeah. Trace is, again, <laughs> Not cut out for this sort of thing. Yeah, and obviously, like, Rafa's plan is to steal spies from the Pikes to give them back to the Pikes in exchange for Ahsoka. And, um, yeah, we get a lot of, uh, you know, we get Maul in here, we get the Pikes, we get the... A lot of interesting stuff. No, I think it's it is really interesting. I mean, I like it. Didn't make sense why the Pikes would let them go, other than the fact that their life was also at stake in that context. So it would make sense. And I mean, we all know Maul's uh, temperament mm. <laughs> can be he can be very short tempered in a way. And one thing that I do like is that how he threatens to take the business elsewhere to Crimson Dawn. Um, and what they refer to as the collective, which I found extremely enlightening and really interesting. It's the first time we hear that word before. Mm. And the, and the entire like comment of the guy, you know, oh, so he's just playing us against the others and blah, blah, blah. And then the, the leader is like, yeah, but do you want to complain about that? Like, so you want to like complain to him all about anything, you know how he is. And then the other guy's like, no, well, mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah. say anything. I also like, even before they actually reveal that it's Maul, they are like, they say, oh, are you going to tell him or hit? And they're like, will he understand or something? And you're like, who is that? And it's like, oh, you think it's Maul, but you're not entirely yeah. sure. And then they show Maul and you're like, ah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I would have been really surprised if it was anyone else. Uh, yeah. You never know, though. It no, could have been true. Sidious or someone yeah. else. Like, there or Dooku. There are plenty of bad people in the universe. Yeah, absolutely. It's just funny to, in terms of timeline of like r- the real world because this is post solo as well. So ah, we, yes. it's post castle, like post the castle. Like we we in the real world, the castle run exists. The whole slave, re- like the whole slave and droid revolt on castle. We see Kira with the uh, Crimson Dawn and all of that. So that's all really interesting. So I like all of that. No, it's really interesting because we forget when things actually came out sometimes, <laughs> or at least I do. It's hard to keep everything in track, um, but this is, it's well done. And the more we see mm. of Maul, the better. Yeah, for sure. Hence Maul over whoever you had me pick him. Uh, Moff Gideon, yeah. 
Which also, I didn't know where we, like which way you were going with that one. I love the moth, but <laughs> we just see so much of Maul, I think, and it's so interesting. Yeah. Also a Jedi user, or not Jedi user, lightsaber wielder. Yeah, I mean, both of them use the dark saber, which is an interesting through line. Oh, true. Good point, good point. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're referring to the Off the Hook episode where I asked Rashad a bunch of questions that's probably out by now so check it out and judge me for my choices <laughs> do the do the i stand by it cilantro over parsley yeah <laughs> that was the one that i thought as well um anyway i really liked when um when ahsoka says you know yeah so i left the jedi and both rafa and trace were like you can do that <laughs> i don't know why but that really got me I like the line also. There's a line where he says, I see your stupidity as authentic. <laughs> I loved that line for some yeah, reason. Yeah, that was cool. That's true. I like the uh, the game of Space Chicken where they basically race towards, towards each other and then the pike in the very last second just uh, avoids the crashing into them. Um, and yeah, the Mandalorians very obviously follow them and then we get the really nice scene at the end where you know rafa says to ahsoka you might not be a jedi but you act like one well they she she clarifies right or how you how we'd like them to be yes exactly and that's i think the more powerful part of this where it's just like yep that that's coming from someone who has very clearly stated their dislike of uh, jedi is like a really nice touch I really hated though at the very end. So the entire thing with Bo-Katan, I thought that that was really cool. But at the very end, this whole yeah, you want to, and that's your calling or whatever they're saying. It's just it's like okay, you just obviously needed to wrap this up at some point, and they had to say something. And it's just like not powerful at all. It's kind of like the op- at the opposite end of the spectrum if you think about uh, Echo joining the Bad Batch. Ah, exactly. Literally the exact opposite thing happens. No, I like that. The the Bad Batch, like Echo and Rex goodbye is so like tearful. Yeah. And this one is so like blah. Whatever. It's because like we don't care about these characters like in the grand scheme of things. Is that like the Martez sisters, I think that's what they're called. Uh, just not great. You know, I'm so sorry, but just like not interested. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of hope that I liked. I don't know. I really liked. You know, we see three women here. Oh, good point for representation purposes. Good representation. Something like a female mechanic, or like two women who are really good as mechanics, uh, is something that you know, a decade ago probably wouldn't have, ha- or they would have played it very differently. Where it's like pointed out that it's, it's like wow you can do that sort of thing um and here is just a thing i really like that and so i kind of i mean again you can't say that because that would spoil me but i i, I would kind of like to see them later in like rebels or whatever like just to have them make some sort of appearance because i would really like for um ahsoka to basically just have a like a friend you know yeah yeah, uh, yeah, that would yeah. be really nice. Mm. A pleb friend. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, I guess the the thing that 
really struck me about that scene obviously is that it just has me very excited for next week and the last the very last four episodes of this entire show and it's kind of sad that i don't get to ask you what episodes we're watching next week because i already know yeah and we'll be watching them together i'm so excited yes yes that is actually something that we should probably point out so we we decided to um because like in in preparation for these episodes we just usually watch them and then convene and talk about it but we've decided to uh watch them together and that's going to be fun and uh, yeah then we are going to record our episode right after after that with like our like hot impre- like hot takes and like it's like fresh off the i don't know there's a metaphor in there somewhere but instant reactions yeah instant reactions like hot off the tray basically that's what I, where i was going with that um yeah so it's exciting i'm very excited to watch the last four episodes with you do you have any um any ideas or any like predictions for the last four episodes of clone wars i mean it must be about ahsoka bo-katan and maul i would be shocked if that wasn't the case uh, maybe it isn't now that I think about it. Maybe that's something that comes up in Rebels. Um, I really hope, whether that's the case or not, that we see some form of interaction between Anakin and Ahsoka. I kind of assume that Anakin must be involved in some way that we see something Jedi-related as well. I don't, so I, I, what I'm saying is I have a lot of ideas, but they don't really work together. I'm very excited to go through that journey with you oh it's so cool because um i remember we wanted to watch i think was it the last season of game of thrones yeah that we had wanted to uh watch together and i think we only watched one episode together is that true i don't remember yeah we definitely didn't watch the last few i think i was abroad i think i was yeah you were the us or something i mean or traveling whoever knows yeah i think you were traveling or something i don't know and um yeah so that was uh that was kind of a shame but now we get to do it with clone wars and that has me very excited it's gonna be so great yeah so tune in next time as we uh as we talk about the last episodes of clone wars if you like what you heard leave us a review on apple podcast five stars if you didn't like the show why are you still listening five stars if you want to get in touch there are a few ways you can do that fuck website no (laughs) damn it email write us an email to hello at seriallyhook.com website you can check out our website and suggest future topics at seriallyhook.com twitter you can find us on twitter at seriallyhooked if you like the show tell a friend or ten and write us an Apple podcast. It really makes a difference and helps people discover the show. Thank you. All right, let's do all this. All right, all right, all right. Um, let me quickly check. Where is it? Shit, my notes. Where is it? Where is the Willem scream? Um, do, 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 do. Shit. You know, no, sorry, that was different. I was just reading. I shouldn't read my notes and also try to talk. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Yeah, I know.
Ähm, 